Welcome. You're listening to Latin Waves with your hosts, Sylvia and Stuart Richardson. Latin Waves is more than just hot rhythms. This is a show about community, about creating a culture that is inclusive and based on fairness. Because everyone deserves dignity, respect, and has something to contribute. A new world is possible, and it all starts with us. Practically every religion says it in one way or another. We are all created equally in the image of a loving creator. So we're all to be respected with that dignity and loved because of that dignity. That's the voice of Sister Elizabeth Kelleher. I had the pleasure of interviewing Sister Kelleher back in 2011. Sister Kelleher spent many years in the downtown east side feeding the hungry and acting as a social advocate for housing and other anti-poverty issues. This interview from 2011 is still very relevant with some of the problems we're facing today. Sister Kelleher was admired by many for her kind heart and feisty nature. She passed away on August 16, 2013 and will be long remembered for her hard work. I leave this with you as a Christmas show. Enjoy. On the line, I'm very privileged to have Sister Elizabeth Kelleher, an 85-year-old now. She's with the Franciscan Sisters of the Atonement. Uh, Sister Kelleher is a pillar in the downtown east side, where she tirelessly gives her time and continues to be a source of inspiration for many, many people. She operates a soup kitchen that feeds between three and 500 of the city's most poverty-stricken each day. Very privileged to have you on the show. Welcome, Sister Kelleher. Thank you. Thank you, Stuart. <laughs> no problem. It's been a little while since we spoke, but I, I'm aware that you're part of an organization called the Metro Vancouver Alliance. They've been presently organizing a meeting. First and foremost, what is the Metro Vancouver Alliance and what would be its mandate? It's a building a broad-based community alliance, and its aim is to bring together large numbers of diverse grassroots organizations, and they would be churches, synagogues, temples, union groups, different parts of the unions, uh, community organizations, and it's never individuals. It is organizations, leaders that have a following so that the concerns of all will be able to have a sufficient amount of voice so that their needs will be heard. And the needs are determined by all of the groups making the decisions of what really needs to be done. Now, you've been a very active citizen, as I mentioned before, for many years, and you're very well aware of the needs of your community. It seems like we're going to be having many elections this year, certainly municipal, probably provincial, and maybe even a federal election. What should be their priorities? What needs to happen right now? One of the things I would say is that the leadership, any elected officials, need to know they are elected supposedly by the people for the people. For the last several years, that seems to have been changed. When you see that people depend on being elected or re-elected by the support of huge industrials, uh, corporations, or industries, or whatever, and of course, once they put a huge amount of money into the uh, coffers of those looking for elections, it's really being elected by corporations. So then, of course, decisions are made for the benefit of corporations. We are losing our democratic spirit. In a democracy, you're elected by the people and make decisions for the majority of the people, what the people's needs are. 
Now, one of those huge corporations um, that I would mention is in Vancouver is Concord Pacifica. Now, there's been a battle between advocacy groups, and a lot of people have spoke out against these large towers being proposed in Chinatown, right on the edge of the downtown east side. Uh, fundamentally, uh, why why do people get upset about these developers building there? What what are the main concerns about this development? One of the things that I have come to to know is that way back in the early 90s, 1993, that there was a complaint made by developers that as long as the government built social housing, the government was interfering with private enterprise. Before that, the government put, according to the population of each province, monies that would be needed to build social housing, affordable housing, which seemed to be fair. Why do developers say it's interfering with private enterprise? Because they put what they think should be the percentage, the cost of the building, their percentage for profit. The government does not need to do that because it's government money. So since then, there hasn't been this influx of money from the federal government to the provinces to do what is absolutely essential have money for affordable housing in each of the provinces. Without that, neither the province nor the, certainly not the, the cities have the money in their budgets to do the building. So that now the uh, developers aren't going to develop social housing. They're going to develop condos. Why do we have homelessness? People can't afford, even moderate income people, can't afford the rents that are now, if you have more than a one-bedroom apartment, it's up to, if it's a two-bedroom, it's probably 2000 or 2500 How do families live? That makes it impossible for the largest majority of people to have a secure sense of when they're renting a home, they're able to afford it and to be in it, have a stability of where they live. So... We have any number of people that have been meeting for three years and developed the kind of plan that we should have. We worked to get Woodward's built. Supposedly, we were getting it redone to build social housing. And what comes in? A few units of social housing. The majority by far in these huge towers. And, of course, the cost is way beyond the people in this neighborhood. So it changes the stores that come in or whatever, makes it rises prices for everybody, not just those living in those buildings that can afford them. And that is a violation of what we feel is most important, the buildings not be over seven stories. If you talk to the developer or city council, they will always tell the public that proper consultation will take place before these developments are approved. Can you explain actually what happened this week in City Hall around this development? The height review was supposed to be taking place when the council met at two. There were other things before it, but there were over 50 people that had signed up to speak on the issue of the height review. One of the gentlemen that has been part of the organizing for years was saying, no more condos until we get social housing, until we don't have any more homeless, because now we're getting families homeless. About noon, I guess, 
we all got phone calls. Don't, you don't need to come up. The uh, uh, decision for all of the other buildings that they were talking about isn't going to be made until another date. They did that around 12, around that time. The council passed on two buildings in, in Chinatown. Since when hasn't Chinatown been part of the downtown east side? We are geographically together, and, you know, how they could have made that decision as though our voice didn't count, as though all of these people that have been working on this plan for the downtown east side to serve the people who live here. We want to live here. The people that are living here, that is their choice. And they have been, let's say, made to put up with some of the worst situations in the world, but it's the only ones they can afford. So to put, I don't know whether these buildings are going to be 12 or 15 stories high, that is a violation of what we have worked for and worked for and worked for. The zoning should stay, and it should have the input of the people. So to just get away with just taking those two out, voting on approving them, let them go to whatever height they want, what about the people? Aren't we part of a democracy that has a right to tell our council and mayor what this neighborhood, we live here, this is what we want? It's quite outrageous, and I totally agree. Whenever the downtown east side is referred to, it's talked about the poorest neighborhood, all these problems, but it's actually very vibrant, and the people there are wonderful and, and very friendly. Now, this story that you're telling me is probably a story that's been heard all across the country, how people are just pushed aside for these kinds of developments. I was listening to another station this week, and the developer said, look, the downtown east side has already way too much housing, social housing. We need more mixed housing throughout the city in different neighborhoods. How would you respond to this kind of opinion? From an exact example that I have of a man earning $18 an hour, which used to be you know, at least a moderate, you could make, make out pretty well. Now, he has his second wife, his first wife died, Second wife with a two year old infant, his oldest son, 15 or 16, and himself squeezed into a tiny one bedroom apartment for $1,300 a month, which he was looking for social housing because he said he barely has enough left over after paying his rent to buy enough food. What does that say about? the concern of the uh, developers that we have too much social housing, we don't have enough, and we want to live here, and we want to have our families. You know, I worked for years in early childhood development in daycare centers, and you could tell where there was a family that was struggling because it showed up in the child who was so really reflected the anxiety of the parents so that the child like almost couldn't listen to you couldn't attend to anything why some of them don't make it in school because the the anxiety of not knowing whether you're going to be able to pay your rent or you'll be out on the street next month is so so horrendous and its effect on the children is so awful it lasts their whole life long. So we want to have a next generation of so many children will already be disturbed, not able to accept 
a good education. We're, we're destroying ourselves by not providing adequate, affordable social housing for families. Now, I just want to touch on a point, uh, Sister Kelleher, that many people who don't understand the issue would say, oh, these people are just anti-development if they don't want the tower. But can you explain to people who don't understand the need to build more social housing, but also to protect uh, the social housing that does exist and how these developments do threaten to create more homelessness? You know, certainly if more condos go up down here, it is just pushing out. Where will these people go? They cannot afford the rents that are certainly in, in other neighborhoods, and they're, even the rents down here have not have gone up. You know, almost as much. We are squeezing our people, low-income people, out out of society. I don't know where they'll go. And as I said before, the more we do that to families, the more we are destroying our futures. Can we afford to have? more and more mentally ill people, more and more people with disabilities. We are, don't have enough buildings for them anyway, unless they have, you know, good fortune and have being a family that is well off and can afford, you know, an apartment for handicapped in these huge condos. Unless the government really listens to the people, we have to start really going back to what really democracy was fought for so that people's voice will be heard, and especially a group of people who have so many difficulties here in this poorest area had the courage to keep meeting and meeting and gathering and have, have the brilliance of making a decision and have worked out a plan for the downtown east side. And I agree with them. No condos until we have social housing and no more homelessness. People that live here deserve to have housing they can afford to live in here. I just want to touch base with you about the media. It's always telling us there's a homeless issue that's just way too complex, and we've always had homeless. I'm old enough to remember when I was young, my dad would take me out to Toronto sometimes, and there was no visible homeless people. There was a time when we had a national housing program, as you mentioned, and, and there wasn't homeless in, people in Canada. How can we get back there? Because it seems that's what the public wants, but the, the leaders and are not really interested in the poor and vulnerable. How can we get back there? You know, even those in corporations need to recognize their interests are not what the democracy needs to be looking at. The democracy needs to look at what do the people need. And all across Canada, and one of the things that we have been promoting for at least two years now, and we certainly did it, tried to get everybody from Canada <laughs> that were at the uh, Olympics last year, make them aware that what we need is a national housing strategy. We have to have the federal government get back into the housing issue because without it, all our taxes are going to be going elsewhere and not really getting to the one issue that is prevalent all over Canada, and that's homelessness. And as you say, you know, before the early 90s, the government was putting in a portion of the tax dollars. In fact, Libby Davies has a bill in the Parliament now that would be putting a percentage of the national growth into housing. Again, proportionately for where whatever your population is across Canada, and especially here we have where we have the poorest 
postal code in the neighbor in the air in the whole nation. Another problem we have, and we don't talk about it very often, and that is a lot of Canadians complain, but they suffer from public apathy towards their leadership. So they're jaded. They say, "Look, I take care of my family. I donate to some charities at Christmas. That's all I'm going to do." What would you say to these people? Why should they care about this issue? If they care about being in a democracy, like muscles or anything else, either use it or lose it. If you don't vote in a democracy, even just going into the polling place and saying none of the above, you certainly must have somebody at one level or other that you could vote for, you know, or even put in a way out name, whatever. But at least go to the voting polls and say, I have a right to vote. And when you have a right, you have also a responsibility. And it is the responsibility of every person. We're all created equal, and we deserve equal treatment. Because our dignity is that of practically every religion says it in one way or another. We are all created equally in the image of a loving creator. So we're all to be respected with that dignity and loved because of that dignity. Thank you so much again for joining us. Hopefully many of our listeners will, well, they've they've seen uh, the terrible uh, disparity in their society and hopefully they'll be moved to act in their own way and and together uh, make a better society for all of us. And, And I thank you again for the work you're doing. Thank you so much, Stuart. Take care for now. I'm going to finish with a song called Green and Blue by Dana Lyons. This song is dedicated to all of the folks out there who are working towards making this world a little better place than when they found it. Bye for now. traveled far and seen the magic of this place so far away halfway around the world so far from you ancient dancing trees Blown to perfection by a thousand years of wind Giant rivers fall from lakes so blue It's hard to understand They dam a river with a glacier's own As if nothing's wrong, we march on begin what we must do and that is why my love we hold a candle to the eminence of night 
Thank you for listening to Latin Waves. Latin Waves is an independently produced syndicated radio program made available for free to campus and community radios and also to the world at latinwavesmedia.com. Please visit the website to hear previous shows, hear about upcoming events, and consider becoming a member for as little as $1 per month.